Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Steph Taylor, a former HR professional for the supermarket chain Sainsbury's, now turned business owner as part of the Passionate PA franchised brand. Steph enjoyed 20 years with Sainsbury's, starting literally on the checkouts whilst at school working her way up the career ladder to becoming a HR change manager until redundancy became the best option for her personal life. Today she runs a successful PA business, supporting a variety of clients to clear their to-do lists, leveraging the knowledge and skills she's developed throughout her career. What allowed her to make this transition and find the right path after redundancy was finding the passionate PA franchise and investing in the support and mentorship on offer. This episode is packed with a lot of great insights from Steph, who was really open with me, but one of the main things that I wanted to find out from a franchisee, and I guess in particular her, was what is it actually like to hand over the franchise fee? Is it daunting, nerve-wracking, or just exciting? Uh, We find all of this out from Steph and much, much more, so I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll catch you on the other side. So, Steph Taylor, welcome to The Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, we've just had the Christmas break, um, so feeling refreshed and um, and ready to get back to work. I think I did probably less work than I wanted to over the Christmas break, actually, so uh, more, more than refreshed. How about yourself? Yeah, very similar. Um, probably should have done more work, but actually I think sometimes you need the break and it means you're back ready to go. So yeah, really looking forward to the year, but Christmas was awesome. Yeah, I guess it's kind of the perks of owning your own business, isn't it? At the end of the day, you you get to make these decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the benefits. And if you don't get stuff done, it's only you that you've got to blame. And then you can put something right and do something about it. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. So um, let, let's jump straight into kind of your, your career then. And um, I'd like to start where I always tend to start. And that's at the beginning. So I'd love to find out what your first job was. Okay. So um, I had a Sunday paper round, but I'm guessing we're not going to um, count that one as a first proper job. So my first um, employee's job um, with a contract and everything else was actually a checkout girl at Sainsbury's. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, was it something that you, you kind of dreamt of doing and always wanted to be part of the, the Sainsbury's family? Or <laughs> It was yeah. one of those, um, turned 16, was coming up for the summer holidays, wanted a bit of money um, and, and just looked around. And I think it was my mum picked me up an application form while she was up um, shopping because obviously back then you filled in a paper form. Yeah. Um, yeah, filled it in and, and that was it really. Got myself a sort of evening and Saturday job. We used to get called the milk and cookies because um, we could only do so many hours. Um, but yeah, that was where it all started. <laughs> the milk and cookies. I've never heard of that before. Milk and cookies crew. Yeah, it was to do with, well, I'm sure you couldn't use that phrase now, but it was because you could only do so much and you were the sort of the kids that worked there. Oh, oh, I see. So like that relating to like primary school or something like that when it's all, yeah, milk and cookies yeah. get you. <laughs> it's funny what um, you are and aren't allowed to say nowadays, isn't it? That yeah, back then exactly. it kind of seemed innocent, I guess, didn't it? But um, 
yeah. see how it would upset people. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, where, where did that kind of take you then? So, um, did you do like a lot of other people kind of leave that after a few months or you know half a year and, and move on, or or did you carry on with Sainsbury's? So, um, I was only ever going to work at Sainsbury's while I was studying. Um, I think a lot of people say that, but um, I ended up working for Sainsbury's for twenty one years. Um, yeah, and it was. Um, it was kind of a, a progression. So it started off as I didn't really just like sitting on the checkout. So I got bored. So I'd ask to do extra jobs. I'd empty the bins. I'd do the newspapers. I'd do, you know, put all the left behind back, whatever I was asked to do. Um, stayed there when I was studying, went to university um, and then graduated and had a real passion for wanting to work with people, um, wanting to use my degree um in kind of a people area wanted to go into personnel or HR as it's kind of coming at the time but it was 2008 um yeah. and obviously that wasn't the best time to finish university <laughs> uh, but an opportunity came up within Sainsbury's to do exactly what I wanted which was to go into HR um it was a yeah it was a temporary position but um grabbed it with both hands and yeah and stayed for forever <laughs> <laughs> forever no that that's cool I mean um I think I, I remember when I was younger and I was looking at um so I I, I worked within the well putting up marquees basically so it was an unskilled yeah. labourer and I had this epiphany moment where I felt I need to get out of here and do something and set my uh, sights on you know having an actual career and I, I looked at things like you know a McDonald's or Sainsbury's or Tesco's or whoever the the big brands are you know and, and looked at those jobs and thought that's not really a career but the more I've spoken to people over the years and I'm doing this podcast actually I've realized there's massive potential within these organizations if you work hard and just um, take the training and, and like you did go out there and just of ask what else can I do how can I move yeah. into the next step within the organization and I'm assuming that the training there for you you know based on what you wanted to do was was pretty good as well even during sort of temporary um, employment yeah absolutely so so initially when I um, became an HR manager as an HR manager in training and it was a it was a year program partnered with a really experienced HR manager he um, taught me everything he knew really structured training um, and it does always surprise people that actually, um, it, it, like you say, it's a massive organisation and there's so many opportunities. You've just got to figure out what you want to do and, and grab the opportunity. So we went in and did a talk to a local school about career opportunities in, in retail and supermarkets. And when you're talking to, to a 16 year old about a work experience, they think, oh, I'm going to come to a supermarket. and You're going to make me you know, whack out on shelves. But actually, when you start talking to them about a store manager's salary or a store manager's benefits, suddenly their eyes light up and they think, oh, actually, there is there is a whole world of opportunity there. And, and there's, you know, there's head offices, there's there's all sorts of things that people just don't think about. Yeah, definitely. So what what attracted you to the, the role of HR manager? Um, so my my study was psychology, um, psychology and computing, but um I'm, yeah, not so much that side of things, more kind of human computer interaction. But my study was psychology and I've always just been really interested in how to get the best out of people, how people interact with each other, how people interact with organisations. So HR just seemed like the obvious choice to me. And 
while I was at uni, I, within Sainsbury's, I progressed into personnel as it was at the time as a um, personnel assistant, payroll clerk. So I was inspired by the people I was working with as well um, to say, do you know what, I want to do what they do. It looks it looks brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's really cool and, and, and really nice that opportunity is there. Did you, did you ever look at companies outside of Sainsbury? I um technically I I yes I applied elsewhere technically I left for a few days I went and started a job with another company um but very quickly realized during my induction that what they told me in the induction wasn't uh, sorry in the interview wasn't what the role was going to be um so quickly went back to Sainsbury's sort of cap in hand and was like can I come back please um and they were yeah they were lovely they were really happy to have me back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's cool and it's um it's it's actually a, co- a common um theme actually when so I, so I worked in recruitment for a good number of years and a lot of people have that you know the the interview um the interviewer is on you know their best form and you know really trying to sell the opportunity uh when they can see a good person you know in their sights um but the reality is you you sort of dive in and <sighs> They've got good intentions. They're not trying to mislead a lot of the time, but there's always a load of other stuff that needs to get done before the exciting stuff happens. And yeah, and I think it's a it's a really good lesson as well for that interviewee to say it is a two way process, and actually you need to ask the difficult questions as well. Um, So as much as I'd asked about progression and what it really looked like, as soon as I met the team and they said to me, "Oh no, Steph, that doesn't happen here." um yeah it was it was kind of a done deal for me <laughs> that's fair enough well it's, it's good that Sainsbury's um uh took you back so you you were with them for 21 years in in the end was that right yeah 21 years started when I was 12 didn't <laughs> wow <laughs> I, just, I just don't like to accept it, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough but um yeah so I mean that's that's a long time at one company so why why move on from there um what, what was yeah. the what was the kind of next step and, and why did you move on so, um, like a lot of people that have done that long in one company, it was um, it was a redundancy situation. So, I think it was the um, fifth restructure that I'd been through in about seven or eight years. Um, and this particular one, there were opportunities to apply for other roles, um, and, and I hadn't been successful in in securing my original role. Um, and there was there was a bit of an epiphany moment for me where I. You, when you've been at a company that long, you, you really have to want to leave. And I had applied for some of the other roles and I just had this moment of real clarity that said, do you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. Maybe now is the time to, to go and get the balance and the life that I want um, in a different way. So I, yeah, I withdrew from the, the vacancies I'd applied for and kind of said, yeah, do you know what, I just need to do something different. Um, and yeah, the feeling when I made that decision was terrifying, but actually liberating. It was, yeah. So you, you say uh, that the life and the balance that you wanted, what 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 does that actually look like? Is that just working, okay. you know, nine till 10 and <laughs> chilling out for the rest of the week? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so I guess I, I should contextualize it. So the, the thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that kind of 
made me make that decision is the interview for the particular role that I'd apply for was the date that was given to me was the 16th of April. The interview's on the 16th of April. And I said, I'm not, I'm on holiday that week. And actually that particular day is my son's fourth birthday. It would have been. They said, well, that's the date for the interview. So I thought, okay, well, it's, it's an hour. I can make this work. No problem. Then you've got to do a presentation and prepare it. But you only get 48 hours notice or 24 hours notice. So I got sent that. And it was the day before his birthday. And I was sat in this office, like in this chair. Um, and I had set the day aside to make his birthday cake. Yep. And that was really important to me. I wanted, that's what my mum did for me. I wanted to make his birthday cake. And I'd set that day aside and thought, that's what I'm going to do. And so I was then sat at this chair, starting this presentation in the back of my mind, thinking I want to be in the kitchen making this birthday cake. It's going to take me all day because I'm not a cake baker. And I just sat here. My husband walked in the office and he looked at me and I just burst into tears. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't feel like I'm splitting myself in two, not getting the balance right, either letting work down or letting my son down in my eyes. He clearly won't remember this in yeah. years to come. Um, and so I, that was the moment that I just said, I need to get that balance. I need to get the flow where if I want to make his birthday cake, I will be able to do that and it will be on my terms and I won't have to to bend and flex as much. Um, so it is, it's about being present as a mum, being a great mum, a great wife, you know, great family person, but also doing really quality work that I feel proud of as well. Yeah, no, that's really cool. So what, what were the options on the table to you at that point as far as you were concerned? So in that moment, it was take redundancy, figure out the rest of it later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah, and if I'm honest, um, franchising hadn't, at that point, it, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, in any redundancy situation, you kind of start to look around, see what's out there. So I'd looked at employed roles, um, but I was very set on I didn't want to work full time. So there didn't feel like there was a lot out there. Um, I talked about, OK, maybe it's time to take a step back and do something completely different. I could do sort of a clerical role somewhere instead. Um, there was the option of just, you know, trying to work out. Do I do I need to work? How can we make the family life work if we're not paying childcare, but I'm around? Um, yeah. But the one thing I did say as soon as I made that decision was, do you know what? I'm going to take some time. My redundancy was reasonable. And I'm going to have a little bit of time to think about what, what I really want to do. Yeah, I guess you were there for quite some time, weren't you? So it, it helps to. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I'm not trying to drive home Hello. the age thing, like. <laughs> but you know, um, I guess it. You know, redundancies are calculated on length of service, aren't they? A lot of them. So yeah, yeah I, I can imagine it. It gives you a little bit of leeway, which is is really good. Um, but still, I, I think it's pretty brave to do that because uh, for a lot of people, they'll be thinking. You know, I need to get a job as soon as possible. What if it takes six months and I use up all all that that redundancy yeah. money? Um, so I was very fortunate. The timing was perfect in that my son started school in September and I finished working. I think it was the end of April. So I then made the decision, but I had gardening leave until the end of July, so I was getting paid till the end of July. Oh, okay. So I so I made the decision. Actually, do you know what? I'm not going to start doing anything until he starts school. Um, so yeah, well, it was, but the timing was. They say things happen for a reason, 
and I guess in this case they did. <laughs> Excellent. So that, that that's good though. You got some, pro- I'd imagine, some good quality time with your your son then before school, and uh, then everything all changes anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, a lot a lot more sitting in traffic jams and. Um, uh, you know running around after the kids for clubs and yeah. stuff like that doesn't it at that time oh, yeah. so so I guess that that makes it even more important for you at this point then to have that flexible kind of work-life balance that's going to allow you to do all those things rather than relying on childcare or, or family members I guess which Absolutely. a lot of us a lot of us do at the end of the day it's and it's um it's a shame you know but um so obviously you're now with the passionate PA yeah, uh, you, you, or you have your business under the Passionate PA brand. So, how did you discover um, the business, and what kind of made you want to have a, a look at that as an opportunity? Because I guess it's it's a bit different to what you were doing in in the HR role, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, th- obviously, there's a lot of transferable skills, um, but it is very different for me. It was it was really an exploration of okay, what what is the art of the possible what is out there so um a bit of a google a bit of a you know look around i i think it was actually linkedin um and kate will love me for saying that because clearly enough <laughs> I, but I think it was actually linkedin i <clears throat> i'd become aware of other passionate pas in the area through contacts or people liking posts and it was just in the back of my mind um so yeah had had a more detailed look and as soon as i saw the model, saw the brand, saw the people involved. I was like, yeah, do you know what? That's what I want to do. It was, to me, it was, yeah, that's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. It's really, yeah, really, really done deal. So, I, I, I perhaps was a little bit uh, <laughs> naive as to what a VA or PA actually does. Um, so I actually used to recruit for PAs, but, you know, you can read a job description and kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. That matches up to the CV, but um and now I've got to know the brand a little bit more I've I've done an interview with Kate I realized that you you guys actually do way more than kind of just um arranging diaries right which is on the face of it what a lot of people think a a PA is so um did did you know kind of exactly what that role was before speaking with Kate or is that something you discovered as you you kind of went through I think that's one of the for me that was one of the, the real attractions of the passionate PA actually yes we are called the passionate PA but it's all about that freelance business support it's all about that commercial acumen that that background in an industry and and potentially a bit of a specialism um and and that's what made the passionate PA different to me that's what made it kind of like actually all those skills you've got I I never wanted to be an HR consultant I that's not me that's not my bag but actually I have so many skills from all those years project management you know yeah diary management all the things you expect but on top of that that bit that says okay how can we think about this differently and with Kate and the passionate PA I can use that and I can mold that rather than saying oh now yes I am just going to you know put a, a event in your diary or, or whatever that yeah. looks like I, I, I don't mean to kind of speak down about that at all but I guess what I'm where I'm coming from is you've got uh, large corporate experience right so working within yeah. Sainsbury's that is experience that 
smaller businesses or, you know, solopreneurs or however you want to call them, people starting out their businesses, they don't have those structures in place. They don't necessarily have that knowledge that you will be able to bring to the table. And I guess that's that was the difference for me, realizing that actually these people that are, are working or have their businesses within this brand, um, that yeah, they do a lot more than kind of what I thought in the first instance, which is, mm-hmm. is, is really cool. And, and, you know, you can go into a business now and help them out with HR issues, or at least, you know, um, give them some ideas to the direction they should be heading in rather than kind of, um, you know, making, making mistakes early on. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, so as a franchise model, that mm-hmm. means you're going to have invested some fee up front, right? Um, yeah. Now, you said you, you had a redundancy payout, so I'm guessing a good chunk of that's gone towards uh, paying that fee. But what was it like in terms of the, the feeling for you handing over that money without a guarantee of, you know, you are definitely going to earn X amount of money, um, you know, by this point next mm-hmm. year? You know, I think... A lot of people that are looking at um, investing in franchises, they they do see that fee as a big, big hurdle yeah. to overcome. And it's not like getting a job where, okay, if it doesn't work out, you can go back to an employee, you know, go back and not worry. There's you, you, you're making a big commitment. So, what does that feel like to you? I think um, I think it's that piece about doing your research. Kate's fantastic in that when it came to the contract, she was actually quite um, clear with me. Go and get this looked at by a solicitor. Don't just sign it. Because I know some people, especially people that can be quite trusting, would just be like, oh, I'm sure it's all fine. Sign it. It's like, no, 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 make sure you're clear on this. Ask the questions you want to ask. But also it was it was the research piece. So I spoke to a number of different passionate PAs who had different, you know, um, I was going to say length of service, that's very HRE, but different, they've been... <laughs> They've been there for a different amount of time. And actually, even so, I spoke to some of the newer passionate PAs who were really clear in that, yeah, okay, there's no guarantee of the income, but actually the model allows you to to get that income, to develop your client set very quickly. None of them felt concerned in that way. And it's a huge risk, but it's, doing your planning okay what's realistic what can I work how will I get my clients where will I get my clients and the business model okay this is what we do this is how we do it this is our minimum marketing requirements it kind of it all makes sense um and some I guess there is a leap of faith but if you don't do it you'll you'll never know yeah at any point did you sort of during that research did you think I could do this myself why do I need to no, absolutely not. Um, because <laughs> I, think, I think for me it was, I'd been in corporate for so long as well. It, you have this wonderful safety net around you where, like, if anything goes wrong, there's like a massive legal team or there's this person or that person. And with a passionate PA, okay, I haven't got that. But what I have got is I've got a team of incredibly skilled people around me, incredibly warm people, but also a business model where, as someone's I am business, you don't know what you don't know. So little things that I maybe wouldn't have done or might have discovered two, three years down the line, they're already set up, they're already done, they're already dealt with. And I just wouldn't have known those things. So yeah, and the mentoring as well. It, you don't get that anywhere else unless you yeah. want to pay for it. I, I was actually going to ask you uh, that question, basically. what If you had done this on your own, what what do you think you would have missed? 
Oh, like I don't think I would have really understood the the value of um, things like LinkedIn, your marketing, your networking. I think I, I I probably would have avoided it because it's not something that's necessarily always natural to me. So it would have been like a that would be nice to do later. Therefore, my business wouldn't have grown halfway yeah. new, you know, as quickly as it has. Um, really small things like registering with the um, ICO. It, it it is a small thing, but actually it's an important thing. Um, yeah, so many things. Setting up um, your accounting and your time tracking and how, you know, ways of working and best practice. Um, they're things that I probably would have got to, but two, three four years down the line so I'm I am potentially two years ahead of where I, I could have been if I'd done it on my own because I just wouldn't have known setting up a website where do you start you know copywriting for your website it's it's a minefield <laughs> yeah yeah and it's really resonating with me I'm <laughs> nine months into my business I think and um Actually, Kate <laughs> recommended to me to, to get, um, you know, registered with the ICO as well. So she's helped me as well outside of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there is way more stuff than you think. Like it's nice having your concept and your idea of, okay, I'll just set this up and run it. But doing it efficiently, <laughs> getting to, to, to that first income quickly is really tough. And um, I, 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 yeah. I think I'd already worked out that LinkedIn was a good um, source for me to, to generate leads. So I was ahead a little bit there. But uh, if I'd have followed what I was taught in recruitment, to be fair, I would probably be nowhere near where I, where I am now. And, and and that's surviving, right? <laughs> that's not like I'm, I'm flying. It's, it's surviving. And I think... Um, yeah, the, the, these things you like you say you don't know until you 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 know them and um, having that advice there from someone else, like I, I I see it as a massive benefit, and I'm I'm glad to hear you say the yes. same thing as well. So um, so in terms of the support, then mm-hmm. um, okay, you've got the structure and the processes, and you've you said <laughs> the the mentorship there, but I guess one of the biggest fears for many people is getting those first clients on board. So what kind of how has that kind of materialized for you under underneath this this franchise brand yeah so if you've got a strong brand people know about you so people people come to you so we get so all of my initial clients were head office leads um and kate is really yeah and, and kate is really good at understanding that client understanding their needs and then finding the right passionate PA with capacity who who can work with them. So my first client was 15 hours a week initially. It was a short-term project. No one else had 15 hours capacity, but also it was kind of like very EA kind of diary management um, kind of work. So that was my first client. So straight away for the first, it was supposed to be four weeks. It, it turned into three months. But for the first three months, for me, because I wanted to work part-time, I was nearly at capacity for that time. So it was yeah, brilliant. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, my, my next couple of clients did come through head office and it, it was a big thing for me, actually. I want to, I want to win my next client. It, like, I, this is, I used to say to Kate, I'll be, I'll be fully fledged then. I'll be, I'll be proper once I've got my own client. Um, but there is massive support. Um, and if the client inquiries are coming in, then, then obviously, um, they, we do get the work, but there is no promise of that. 
Um, so we do go out and get those clients. So a bit of networking. Um, I found online networking really, really good for finding my sort of clients. Um, yeah. So, so um, are you restricted by a physical territory or can you work with clients up in Scotland and wherever you can find them? Yeah, so when I came on board was was kind of when the, the model changed where it was no longer territory-based. Um, so, yeah, obviously there's a bit that says if there was a client that, that lived right next door to another passionate PA, I, we might say to each other, oh, do you think they'd be a great fit for you? But no, not at all. We, I, None of my clients are that local to me. Um, well, that's not true. I've got one one new client just before Christmas who is in the area I've met in person but my other clients um a lot of them are based um in chichester which is kind of up the road but quite a long road um i've had clients in preston so yeah all over the place um as long as they're happy to work virtually um it works yeah i guess it 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 makes sense especially um it sounds like you know when kate's getting those head office um leads they are matched with the right um, PA right with the right skill sets that are going to kind of tie into uh, the requirements of the business I guess yeah each individual PA is going to have their strengths like you said they bring their own expertise to the table so yeah it, it makes total sense that rather than let's say you trying to learn a specific area of business trying to think of something i was going to say green grocers but like that's that's probably <laughs> your core that. area yeah, yeah that's probably your core area <laughs> okay uh maybe an for example, if, or if someone was had a business they were preparing for sale and they wanted support with that then it would be very much okay that that goes to like that's that's yours so if that's she's got thing, that background yeah yeah absolutely yep. it makes sense makes total sense Cool. Um, so you mentioned there that you, you kind of work in conjunction with the, the, the other PAs, you know, in, in sharing clients and speaking with them. Do you ever work with one client at the, the same time? So both of you bring two sets of skills, you know, to one client? Yeah. Um, so I've, I have done that recently um, with um, one of the pa- other passionate PAs. So um, Laurie was doing some copywriting for a client um, and I was doing um, sort of her more day to day business um, support. So managing invoices or um, posting blogs for her, that sort of thing as well. Wow. That's really cool. So yeah. it's like it's kind of like being part of a team then, isn't it? Um, so perhaps then that brings another question. Do you ever feel like it's not your own business? Uh, no, absolutely not. So, yeah, there's a fra- framework. So we used to talk a lot when I worked in corporate about having freedom within a framework. Um, but now I actually have a freedom within a framework. Um, there is a framework. There's a, clearly a business model. There's ways that we do things. But ultimately, it's my my business. I make the decisions um I choose who I work with if Kate came to me with a client and said Steph this person's brilliant you have to work with them actually I don't have to and and she would respect that um it it is very much about getting that balance and what's right for the individual passionate PA like it, it couldn't be clearer the conversations I've had with Kate about oh I'm not doing as much as as this person or oh I do things differently and it's like Yes, because it's your business, so you do do things differently, and so you should. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. So, um, in terms of the the kind of um, revenue side of things, 
Um, and I don't want you to necessarily give us numbers here, but um, kind of how long does it roughly take you to kind of get your money back that you invested at the front end? And and um, yeah, how many clients has it taken you to to kind of build this this business to the point where you're you're kind of happy with the income? So, so in terms of well, two questions. I'll try and remember them. So in terms of getting the investment back, um, I think it was probably three to four months. And remembering oh, wow. that, and remembering that I, I do part time hours. Um, so I think if someone was full time and, and really threw themselves into it, you could do it. Yeah, definitely within three to four months. I was very fortunate that we had that chunky client very early on. Um, no, I forgot. What's the second part of the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how how many clients? Um, okay. So, actually, there's probably an additional part to that. So, okay. in terms of um, your your working hours now, are you still part time? Yeah. Um, you are cool. Okay. So, how many clients does it take for you to to be at capacity? And then, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. In, in terms, so at the moment, I have. Um, four regular clients and then I have some ad hoc work from another couple of clients um but it, it I mean it depends because one of my clients is 10 hours a week so that is for part-time that's a massive chunk of my week um but I love them and they're brilliant um and if I could make an extra day I'd do an extra day a week for them if they if they wanted me to um but yeah probably four to five clients for me is a really happy place depending on, on how many hours that is a week. Yeah, that seems pretty manageable. I thought it was going to be, you know, loads of one hour a week sort of <sighs> clients. But, yeah, you've got... It's yeah. A, I, I think with the, the the support that we offer, it's got to be meaningful. So I have got um, I have got one client that's one hour a week, but his is about a, um, diary management but also accountability. So it's more of a... It, it, it's almost a bit of mentoring and, and a check in that way. But some of my clients, yeah, they're two hours a week, but it's two hours of really meaningful, driven work that is, okay, we're working on this, that will be done. Um, I think it was like the odd hour here and there, you probably wouldn't feel as much value. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's, that's cool. So, and that's bringing you a revenue that you're quite happy with that's, probably on par with what you would earn within an employed position on part-time do you feel yeah absolutely I think there's a bit where I I'm not quite earning what I was previously but that is a conscious decision to say I want to get that balance better if I was doing exactly what I was but also I was I was contracted for 26 hours a week when I was employed I never did 26 hours a week (laughs) Like, so actually, it's very difficult to do that comparison because, you know, there are the considerations like pension and benefits. And, oh, my word, my food shopping has gone up 10% every single week on before you add on inflation. But I'm in control. I can choose how much I earn. And if there's a month where I'm like, oh, do you know what school holidays are coming up? I can really do with doing some more. I can go out and get that project work or I can... I can choose and I can also therefore choose in the summer to say I'm not taking on any project work because as a parent that juggle is real so yeah I am really happy really comfortable with with what I am earning absolutely 
Awesome. And I guess at some point, if you want to scale up, like you say, it's 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 feasible. You can do that, right? Um, yeah. And other passionate PAs too. Other passionate PAs work full time, um, and therefore their revenue will be quite different. I've done the maths kind of as a as a piece of work. Say, so, okay, as as my son gets older and you know needs me less. Um, if I wanted to work a bit extra or do that extra day because I Fridays I don't do Fridays um, what does that look like and actually I would definitely be earning my earning potential is far better than it was when I was employed in my opinion yeah, <laughs> Someday <you're cool>. <laughs> <laughs> that's great but um, I'm curious why you, you got rid of Fridays instead of Mondays everyone hates Mondays right why not, why not cut, <laughs> cut out the <Yeah>. Mondays <laughs> well it was kind of organic um, and it, it kind of happened through my work with one client where it's like okay I'm going to do four days a week okay let's not do Fridays but the other reason is one of my biggest drivers for my business is about having that that balance that flow and there's a big bit that said when I was working or splitting my hours across the week, you'd then get to Friday, be really tired. And then I adore spending time with, with my family. My husband does shift work. So a lot of the time at the weekend, it is me and my son. But I'd be going to the weekend like, oh, God, I'm so tired. And naturally, you're more irritable or things frustrate you more quickly. Whereas now, take a Friday off, do something to me, get some of those jobs done that if you've got the kids on a Saturday and you're trying to get them done, they're really stressful. Get that stuff done on a Friday. Have a bit of a recover, relax. Or if my husband's off, have a day together so that when you go into the weekend, I am present. I am there. It is. That's what I want to achieve. And that's what this business allows me to do. Yeah, you're making a lot of sense. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think when you're sort of balancing in clubs and stuff, we take our kids to, and then you're like, right, now we've got to do all the other jobs that are, you know, are chucked in. You get like an hour at the end of the, the day to try and cram in all your kind of activities you want to do as a family, and it's just, yeah, it's not enough. So, And don't right. get me wrong, it's not perfect. I still don't have enough time to do all this. <laughs> there's more time <laughs> no you've sold me so uh one day when i go down to four days that's it i'm cutting out fridays, fridays. <laughs> awesome so um uh, one one final question before we go into kind of my um uh, standard questions that i kind of uh, tend to ask everybody uh, mm -hmm. i'm just kind of wondering um for you what's been the biggest challenge in um yeah bu building this business um me me if I'm honest it's that um and a lot of people I think the more you speak to people the more they will open up and say it but it's not something people necessarily offer straight away I'm quite an open book and actually my biggest blocker is me thinking um I'm not good enough or a bit of imposter syndrome or oh god I don't know what I'm doing but what I'm learning is you don't know until you try it you you have to do it and and it is all about being in that kind of growth zone of oh god this does feel really icky but once you get to the other side and look back it's okay so yeah the biggest the biggest blocker is very much me and probably always will be but at least I know it and I can manage it <laughs> <laughs> excellent I, I think um, for a lot of people that go self-employed or start their own job they they worry about is a why is a client going to pay me money and mm -hmm. I think you've got to compare that to why is someone going to give me a job? Because you feel a lot more comfortable going into job interviews, right? You, you 
you, you go in there knowing <laughs> I can do this job and yeah. I'm expecting a guaranteed, you know, salary for it. So it shouldn't really be any different in business, but I, I'm guilty of it myself, you know, sit here and go, oh, yeah, I'm charging think, too much here. And I think one of the things is you, and that's that's a real one to get over is, oh, like I'm like if I was, employed what would my rate per hour be okay I'm charging more but yeah of course you're charging more because you don't have a pension you don't have your employee benefits you're the person contracting you doesn't have all the associated employee costs which are immense but people just see that rate per hour and that's not all it is so that's yeah that's definitely one to kind of reconcile and reconcile really quickly otherwise you will end up charging £10 less an hour than you should be than your value and that could be just as detrimental because people think why are you so cheap <laughs> like what's wrong with you yeah <laughs> that's the thing <laughs> business owners know already don't they what the value is yeah. that you're you're probably going to bring to them and the the cost of that and yeah and if they don't know it's our job to educate them and say well actually uh, in a very um kind way but kind of say well have you considered how much it will cost you to recruit or or actually who else can you get for this rate that will deliver this work for you or just demonstrating this is what I can do this is how much I can achieve in an hour yeah no good stuff I I love it really good um so three questions the first one I like to find out from people what's been the funniest strangest or weirdest moment in your career okay so probably um, dressing up as a dinosaur, <laughs> and it gets it gets more strange. And riding around on um, well, traveling around the south coast of England in a flatbed lorry with a massive dinosaur from. Um, can you remember BBC's Walking with Dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a massive T Rex on the back of a lorry with a red nose on, and travelled round. <laughs> Um, raising money for comic relief um, and probably the weirdest moment even within that was being on a ferry on a day where it snowed going to the Isle of Wight with this dinosaur in the car ferry um, and just all the cars around us like what are you doing <laughs> yeah it's good when you sort of drive along doing the waving and stuff like that but yeah sat in a ferry must be a bit odd <laughs> it was it was strange but it was yeah I was on BBC weather like as a and at this point in my career, I was a an HR manager. I wasn't you know not like working in the store. I was a proper professional. Not for those two weeks, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I love that. It's a good story though for you, isn't it? At least you got something out of it like that. But um, yeah, weird situation. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so next question then, um, and that's what's been the. the the proudest or most inspiring moment from your career? Um, I guess if we if we talk about since I've been a, a franchisee, it is definitely in terms of inspiring for me was the moment that I was having a conversation with Kate and and said out loud, do you know what? For the first time in a really long time, I feel like I can bring my whole self to work and. I don't have to try and be someone that I'm not. And if people like me and want to work with me, that's brilliant. And if they don't like me, then I probably don't want to work with them anyway. And it was just that moment of realisation and it felt liberating. Like, mm. it was, yeah, insane. Yeah. But in terms of 
previously employed so so many proud like proud moments but more proud of the people I worked with and what they achieved like seeing someone that I employed as a 16 year old coming through college you know didn't really know what they wanted to do and then seeing them progress to become a department manager or a deputy manager or store manager or whatever that looked like it wasn't necessarily anything I'd done but just seeing it was it always made me really proud and just yeah I loved it yeah that's awesome I think um I think your first point there about that kind of liberation being Mm -hmm. yourself uh I wish I'd done it years ago like in employment because if if you do it in employment you know that's um you get a lot of respect from people um but you always feel like you have to be on best behavior or you know do things in a certain way um I think I remember um someone saying to me you know why are you wearing shirts all the time if you're sitting at home especially during lockdown wearing a hoodie Mm -hmm. just be be like be like that when you go into online meetings I was like okay yeah and and as soon as I did no one really cared and I just kind of I think the problem is employed in employed in the employed world is you're always worried about the expectation. You're always worried about your next performance review. In in my case, working in HR, in retail, which is really tough at the moment, like food retail has been tough yeah. for years. It's really tough. So there were a lot of restructures for the right reasons, and it was always done in the right way. But it's always in the back of your mind. But actually, if you've got someone that is this full package, shiny, says the right things, does the right things, you're going to keep them. And if someone kind of speaks out a bit or says that's not right or doesn't quite look the part, as much as everyone talks the talk and we talk about inclusivity, when you're faced with that decision, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? So I think I think you're right. I think in employment you need to bring your whole self. But I also completely understand why there's those niggles in the back of people's minds. Yeah, I understand why yeah why they're there but I (laughs) I feel if you if I was my more myself when I was in employment I would have found my home within employment quicker rather than being at places where uh, I remember (laughs) fist banging on a table from a manager saying you know just make more calls and you know look smarter wear a tie and I was like I don't agree with any of this but I did it Uh because that's what he wanted you know um Whereas now I'm more myself and, and approach things in the way that I want to. It, yeah, it feels better. It's, and I feel, I, I I feel more at home, more comfortable. Yeah, and I think it's that bit, isn't it? It's like being brave because actually if you stood up and did those things or if I maybe said some of the things that I thought, I maybe would have found a different role within that organisation or what I might have found is, do you know what, this isn't the right place for me and that's okay. Yeah. Well, it is okay to make that change, but... Um, it's it's a scary world, isn't it, in employment? Yeah. Because yeah, there there are, there are people out there who are like that in in employment, and I I totally respect them, you know. And they'll they'll be there for six months, a year ago. Yep, my job's here done. Done here. I'm comfortable with moving on, and and that's it. Whereas I I was at places for eight years because I was like, <laughs> what if the next one's awful? <laughs> yeah, but, but I did 21 years. So what can I say? <laughs> I loved it I would like I have to say like I I loved like I'd say 90 95% of my time I loved it but there just came a point where it was I'm not getting this right or this job isn't it 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 isn't working for me but generally 
yeah, you don't stay somewhere for 21 years if you don't like it. Yeah, no, that's it. But um, circumstances change and, and things happen for a reason, like you say, I guess. So, yes. um, excellent. Well, look, um, Steph, I'm going to wrap up with this final question um, <laughs> because I'd love to get your thoughts on... Um, what somebody who's thinking about maybe investing in franchise, whether it's the passionate PA or, or any others, what if you could only give them one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? Okay. It would be it, it would be all around clarity. So know what you want. So not what you think you want or not what you think other people think that you should do, but know what you want. So spend some real quality time thinking about what your vision is, what your goals are, and not like, not all the rubbish that you write in a performance review, like the stuff that you actually really care about, what are your values. So I guess it comes down to the age-old question of what's your why? Know your why. Because if you know that, you'll know what will suit what you want to do and you'll know what you're working towards. And then if a franchise is the right way for you, you will also be able to keep that in mind when you're driving through building a business building what what looks good for you because everyone's why is different and which means that everyone's right is different as well yeah that's a really good point i think um there might be a business out there that um you know is is more proven to be successful i don't know is that a thing um but maybe <laughs> you know it might look like it's it's better more shiny there's higher ter- mm-hmm. re- revenue turnover Let, let's say like a, a just mcdonald's because it's big and we know the yeah. turnovers are huge you might look at that and go that's great but that doesn't mean that's going to fit for you because you in particular your core values are you know be around for my my, my child more mm-hmm. so mcdonald's is not going to fit that at all is it i know that's a yeah. really obvious thing to say but when you start to break it down with other brands that you're looking at, they've got to fit those values. And I think that's so important to to do that. You're right. And I I think when you speak to people about, Oh, if you, if you left your business, what would you do? And a lot of people, and maybe this is just where I came from, but a lot of people say, I'd love to set up my own little shop. I'd like to have like a bookshop or a, a gift shop. And like you say, yeah, that's great. And the dream is beautiful. But actually, let's start thinking about this. Well, retail is six or seven days a week. So are you going to employ? So do you want to employ? Because then you get people saying, I don't like employing people's hard work. Yeah, it is. So so actually, if that's not within your value set, if that's not within your why or your vision, then actually you can't you can't have a bookshop. Maybe you could have a, a market stall that sells books or maybe you could have a concession within something else. But a bookshop isn't right. So by knowing that why and your values and what drives you, you might still have a similar concept, but within a different, slightly different yeah. area. And the same for a franchise. So there are other um, VA, PA franchises out there. But to know what's right, you need to understand what is going to drive you and, and what you want to achieve. Definitely. I, I, I agree with that. And that actually, it reminds me of a thought I had years ago. I thought it wouldn't be lovely to uh, have a bar in Spain and, you know, get to spend your days in the sunshine near the beach and all that. And then uh, then uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, hang on. If I'm the bar, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm running You're the bar, <laughs> I'm not out there in the sun. I am running the bar and uh, dealing with all the stresses and yeah, that'd be horrible. <laughs> I want to be out there enjoying the bar, not, 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 you know, having to make it run efficiently, worrying about where the, 
whether this season the clients are going to be there or not. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I really, not going really to love stay there anytime soon. <laughs> uh, I'll go, but I'm not going to start a business there, yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. Um, the bits about going to Spain is enjoying the freedom and, you know, being stress-free. So why turn that into a stress by adding in a business over there that yeah doesn't make sense to me right now but um there we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly you never know i might do this from spain one day um that that'd be fine i don't mind that but um yeah we'll we'll see where it where this uh all takes us both but um steph it's been a real pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for um your time today and for sharing your story and for being so open with us really appreciate it and um yeah have a good rest of your day and you thank you Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. so there we go that was my conversation with Steph Taylor from The Passionate PA Um, really enjoyed the conversation I guess I I enjoy most of the conversations I have but um, Steph was particularly interesting because I'm getting the point of view of a franchisee and um, sounds like a successful one at that so uh, it's really cool um, to to do that but I think what stands out with Steph from um, some of the the other franchisees that I've spoken to over over the 80 or so episodes I've done so far is that she she was made redundant and took time to make a decision um, I think that's such a brave thing to do um, for a lot of people they're going to be desperately looking for the next job as quickly as possible and you know go back into that kind of um, employment cycle which uh, I guess there's nothing wrong with that at all um, but obviously something was happening in Steph's life where she was she was um, wanting to make a change and I think um, it's amazing to see that you know she discovered that opportunity um, just just on LinkedIn would you believe but um, yeah she found an opportunity with the passionate PA that actually suited her um, the, the sort of second part of that that then is quite interesting is the fact that she doesn't think or she didn't think that she would be able to start this business or you know on her own um which is really interesting because i think it just shows you that as an as an option franchising is um it can be really powerful right um i think about my experiences in setting up my own business and yeah it's tough but i kind of enjoy it and um i don't know i'm going to keep on going until i make it a success um for other people though they don't want to don't have the time or the, the the funding to be able to do that so it's um imperative that you get off to a quick start and and making your money back within three to four months that's that's fantastic so um the team at the passionate pa are obviously doing something right or well, and steph herself as well which is um really cool to see but just something to think about i guess if you're listening to this and uh you know on the on the cusp of redundancy or worried about redundancy Um, just take a look at some of the options that are out there because um, there are franchise brands that are low cost offer part-time working you know they're flexible 
and um, yeah, offer you an opportunity to build a business you may not have been able to do otherwise. So, uh, lesson learned from this conversation with Steph, which has been uh, really good, I think. So, hopefully, you enjoyed it too. Um, if you want to find out more about the Passionate PA, you can head over to thefranchise.com. On there, there's a little profile that give you a little bit more information um, on the Passionate PA. I think on the link somewhere in the, um, I put a link somewhere in the description anyway to um, the Passionate PA website so you can take a look there as well but um, yeah thanks again for listening make sure you like and subscribe uh, so you don't miss any future episodes and I'll catch you on the next one bye bye